Hello. So happy to see everyone today and welcome to our Hope Story Circle, but I'm at a Peace Alliance. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board. And our special guest today is Barbara Thorngren. And Barbara is a longtime friend and associate with the Peace Alliance. And we're so delighted to have you join us today, Barbara. Can you come off mute and say hello? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Terry and Liz, for inviting me here today. I'm thrilled to be here. So happy to see you. So Yelena is not with us today. So Liz is going to lead us in a meditation, I believe, or maybe read a poem. I'm not even sure what's going to happen next. Liz, you're up. So what I would like to do is those of you who have been here before know our beautiful friend Yelena, and she is on a meditative weekend this weekend. So what I want to do in this moment is invite her loving, beautiful, healing words to come through me in this moment. Um, and as she always says, if you would like in this moment to find, uh, just sit and find a, a posture or a position that your body would appreciate for the next few minutes. And as we prepare to welcome our beautiful friend, Barbara here, Barbara's gonna share with you a story of deep connection and healing. And so what I wanna share in this moment is a poem about healing uh, that I can share later if any of you are interested in the chat. It's called The Essence of Healing. The essence of healing is saying yes to what the moment holds. It's letting go into the unknown while realizing it's all holy, life and death, pain and ease, triumph and tragedy. The essence of healing is staying awake to this breath and the next. Each breath establishing a connection with that which can't be seen. The mystery of flowing in and flowing out. Small self and vast self meeting in the heart. The essence of healing is receiving love and giving love. Not missing a single opportunity to let love lead while mind grows quiet. The essence of healing is making peace with your immortal 
soul. Embracing relationships, accepting imperfection, seeing journey and destination as one long continuum. With every spot along the way, equally important and meaningful today. And in this moment, we'd like to welcome Barbara to connect and share her beautiful story. Thank you, Barbara. Oh, thank you very much, Liz. And again, thank you, Terry. And it's lovely to be here today with you all. So glad to be in this circle of peace builders and peace lovers and peace. Oh, Kathy. <laughs> old friends and new friends, thank you so much. And I speak to you today from my homestead here and I call this Avalon. And I'll tell you a little bit about the space in a moment, but I am on a seven acre piece of land, which I met 30 years ago as I was driving up a driveway and at the head of the driveway, I saw this giant tree, huge maple tree. And I just stopped the car. And it was like, you know, when you recognize somebody from the past or something. And it was one of those moments of instant love. And I fell in love. And I didn't notice the bit of a tar paper shack to the right, which was called the house. But they had a nice barn. It was a chicken barn. It was a beautiful barn. And so I reported back to my husband. I said, I found the perfect house. He said, awesome, great, how is it? I said, I'm not sure, but I know it has a wonderful house, a, a wonderful tree, and it has a beautiful barn. And he says, okay, okay. So he came and looked at it and he was sure we shouldn't purchase this property uh, because it needed far too much work on the house. Uh, needless to say, uh, we did. Um, and so, uh, I feel like the tree has been very helpful in how we've been able to live and raise our family on this property over the years. And in 2016, my husband passed away after having cancer for three years. And it was my uh, deepest um, joy and pain and working through all that is and all that was to try to figure out what steps were next. And what I really came to was loving the fact that I am on this land as a steward. And this land is the unceded land of the Abenaki, Wabanaki, Penacook peoples, the unceded land. And it has been cared for and loved. And this area um, have been, has been within this watershed, which is what we also call the Sauhegan watershed and families have been here for over 12,000 years. And in New Hampshire, there's been a lot of work collaboratively between universities and the local tribes and Abenaki foundations and work that's being done uh, to help revitalize the history and to state the actual history here in many different ways. And so I feel that, um, where I am on this small piece of land, uh, trying to honor some of the ways, and we were big gardeners. So as we 
continued to work on the lands with the lands, asking what to do. Uh, we kept spreading out a little bit more and clearing a little bit more. And we ended up having a large greenhouse and we're, we're able to actually, and we're very grateful to be able to feed our family and our family's members, extended family members. But it was a full-time job, as you all know, who have a small garden, it's no easy task. And it's, uh, we had full-time jobs outside the home. So really after my husband's passing, trying to again, sit with what is mine to do? And I felt like I was sitting with a tree a lot asking. And of course, uh, David and I were speaking with Terry and Liz earlier and, and talking about doers and I'm a big doer. And I just kept wanting to work super hard on clearing the land, clearing the land, clearing the land. But what I wasn't doing well was settling and listening. I was saying like, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening. And, but I was working the whole time, right? So I ended up developing Lyme disease, which settled me down some. And then I ended up needing to have two total hip operations, which settled me down even more. Um, and in that settling space, it became really clear that this land and I were going to co-create uh, a healing space. Because when my husband was sick, what I really wanted was a place to go where nobody needed something from me, nobody asked anything from me, that I could just sit under a tree, quietly drink a cup of tea, and be one with that energy. And of course, at that time when I needed it, I couldn't find it, but I felt that's what we could create here. So I ended up having that as a as a destination. And I began to put those things into play. And with some friends and family, uh, the chicken barn, the top uh, is now the healing arts barn studio where I have a Reiki studio. The bottom still houses the goats and the ducks who walk around and the chickens uh, are in the back of the barn. And so if you're in the barn getting Reiki or you're in the barn speaking, you'll probably hear a bunch of cackling. Um, and in fact, I had a friend here singing music outside last night under the tree. And she said, she turned around, she looked at the chicken. She says, I've never sang with an audience of chickens before. And then she goes, I have a chicken song. <laughs> and so she taught everybody this chicken song. Which was, so the animals end up inspiring a lot from people unbeknownst to us. Um, and and, uh, and remind me to mention about a six-year-old's response in a little while, if I forget to mention it. Um, and then the other part was I had a little tiny shed down at the back of the field, which I used to call my house of prayer, where I would go to just pray and try to um, get clear on my life and what I am here to do. And as a grandmother, that is all-encompassing, as I feel like many of us do, that our children and children's children and all the world's children, uh, we are connected and our piecework is what helps them as well. And, and so how to walk with them and support them on this, especially during this time of struggle. So I tried to envision what would come next. And long story short, we now have a 22 foot Mongolian yurt at the back field. So we go through the woods, walk through the woods, a woodland path, which has been a little bit cleared so we don't all get ticks. <laughs> and then down, and the goats will walk with us. And so they go up and they walk in the woods. There's some big rocks in there they love to jump on. And then we arrive at the yurt. And it's really a very lovely sacred space in there, which I can talk about if somebody's interested in hearing more about it. 
And then as we come up through the field on the next top field uh, where it was a giant garden, um, I had this idea last year. It was like, where am I gonna put a labyrinth? We need to have a labyrinth somewhere. And then I was standing there looking at the field. It's like, oh, it has really rich compost soil on it. And then I thought, well, you know, this is kind of like growing, growing healthy souls. Yeah, can I work with this? Yeah, you know, we talk about when we have muck in our life, you know, it's like the compost of our lives. So a friend who's an artist and very good with math and numbers, thank goodness, came and helped me. And so we laid out a um, 47 foot uh, labyrinth on the top of this field. And you're welcome to walk it any way you like. It looks like those who are older than 21 tend to walk it. Those who are younger than 21 tend to run it. Um, so whatever you feel called to do. And I'm also a fan of burning things. If you want to release something, uh, writing it on paper after you've discussed it, maybe meditated on it in the yurt and then come up and then doing the labyrinth and burning it. And then if you're called to bury the ashes, because we know our mother earth can help transmute that. And then coming into the barn studio if you need to to create and make a cup of tea or a beverage or something and then go out and sit under the great maple tree it's a sugar maple tree the big one and and uh, in honor of the age of the great tree we no longer tap it but I have maple trees on the hillside that we tap uh, and then I really believe that when we're sitting under that tree the the type of conversation that happens under that environment is so inspiring that you really feel co-creating and the birds that come and sit or move about um, it's very important and if we're awake and aware to who's around us that's even more so um, so I realized too about two years ago that I wanted to be able to do something that I'd done a little bit of my piecework but I always felt aware of it that I didn't really have permission and that was to speak about spirit so I went to seminary and that was a really great decision although it took me a long time to find the right place yeah which is why I hadn't gone earlier in my life so I went to one spirit um it's called one spirit seminary in New York City and I was ordained and completed everything 2021, which we're still in COVID. And unfortunately, we we had our graduation online. But this year with our graduating class, we were all able to be in New York City together for the first time. And we had our ordination and graduation in the city together, which was amazing, right? To be able to come out and see what really happened. So I am and now an interfaith interspiritual minister, um, co-creating space with the animals and nature here at Avalon Healing Arts Barn Studio and Sanctuary. And I just am so profoundly grateful to my experience in nature. And I, I invite people here, folks come from various different walks of life to experience it because it's really hard to describe, but many of you who've maybe had a relationship with a tree before or gardens or even mint, you know, growing mint, you have to be careful, right? Because it's one of those plants that can take over. But if you grow it in a window box and then make, you know, mint tea and then feel that, 
that, you know, it's not just in our head, oh, this feels good, but it's actually a biological response. And that's when we understand that connection that we are, we are made up of the earth. And Terry, I'm going to check in with you. I've just talked a lot. I'm not sure if I should keep talking or, yeah. Okay, keep talking. <laughs> uh, I could talk for a long time. You probably got that. My background, I'm an, I was a nurse and I was an educator for a long time. So once I get passionate about something, I tend to carry on the wave or something when it when it's time for me to rein it in. And so let me just go on that that thread of you know being organic. And actually going back, I had mentioned the muck, you know, in our gardens, compost, what that compost is. Who was it that said, um, no mud, no lotus? Was that Thich Nhat Hanh maybe? Um, you know, so we have to have this muck, this muck, and this, and this creates, you know, vibrant living um, plants and beings. We're all beings. And so when I think about um, our bodies, and again, being a former nurse, I like to think about the science, but I don't dwell there. I think more about the feeling of things. And so if you think about your body and you know we go out to the store and we buy organic food and we get organic milk and all these things, but you know uh, the way why it works so well for us is that because we are organic. And I believe that when we're sitting underneath the trees that our body knows and it resonates. I think that's why when we sit in circles, you know, that we, when we're together, and certainly we do this so many times in our peace work together, um, and still do, that this holding of this circle, that our body, our DNA knows, and it resonates from that place. And there's a memory that we are all one. And so in that space, if we think about that, then we are the earth, our body, we, we are organic, right? Which is why when we have organic things with us, on us, in us, it resonates so beautifully. And not saying that there aren't times when sometimes our chemicals get a little out of whack and we need something else to straighten us out. We're grateful for medicine for that. But going back to the trees, so I really think about our bodies as the earth. And you probably know uh, Dr. Moto's work with water and how that if you pray and send love to water that you can actually change the molecular structure. He's a Japanese scientist, he's passed now, but his work is carried on. The Messages from Water, I believe, is one of his books. And if that's true, and he proved it by taking photographs of these different molecular structures, that water that has been polluted and in violent situations is disformed, is that's not a word, is that a word? I don't know. Um, it's, it's not perfectly in a crystalline state. But if you love on that water, and if you tend to that water regularly, you can literally change it. And he has then taken photographs of that. And then you can see these beautiful crystalline structures that are like snowflakes, you know, when we've seen photographs of that. And that if that's true, and if we are 80% water, then put your hands on your body, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else, and start healing ourselves, right? That we can, if we are 80% water, and that responds to love and kindness. And of course, we know that when we're in the presence of somebody, if we walk in a room, and there's somebody that you haven't seen in a while, and you love them, and you go, 
oh, and you can feel like all your bo body cells, they got, oh, each one has like a little dance going on, kind of like effervescent tablets, you know, all the bubblies going on. I feel like that's the love resonating. And we can do that. Or if we're driving along in the car and it's like a little Monday and the music's, yeah, not so great. And then all of a sudden, one of those songs come on and you're just about, you know, bopping out of the car with that joy because the memory that it brings back for you. And I think our body loves it when we can get into that space. And so we can talk about the fire. You know, you could, you could imagine how if so, what I was going to do is just talk briefly about the earth the air, the fire, and the water in our body. So I talked about the earth and I talked about the water and fire can be seen as a, in a lot of different ways. But for me, it's that passion, you know, and I am passionate about peace. You know, for many years, my, my business name has been PeaceWorks New Hampshire. And some people have told me a number of years ago, you know, Barb, you ought to get rid of that peace part of it because that's kind of old and, you know, People aren't into that so more so much anymore. And I'm like, seriously, I'm sorry that's your opinion. <laughs> but not so much. So it's still there. We good, Terry? Yeah. We're good. I just want to Gabby and Chad, I want to remind you to talk about the six-year-old boy. Oh, thank you. Yes. So let me talk about the fire in the air and then I'll talk about the six-year-old boy. Yeah. All right. So for the, so for the fire, for me, it's the passion. So that's the fire that's burning in our heart and what is ours to do. And that helps motivate us on with our spirit and air, you know, the air, the breath we breathe, the breath, literally when I used to work labor and delivery and when the baby came out, I'd always cry. Um, you know, that first breath, and now we're filled with spirit. We're filled with life. Isn't that like the most incredible miracle in the world? And then at the end of our life, whenever that happens to be, the breath goes out for the last time. So air for us is essential for us to be in this life, being fully embodied in this body and breathing into the body in our life. And so this little six-year-old boy, who came with his mom to visit with his sisters, we were sitting underneath the tree and often the ducks will wander around quacking, 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 and they'll kind of read the energy of what's going on. And my two goats were walking around, so seeing what was going on again, they read the energy of what's going on and they'll stay and mingle, which they were doing. And this little boy comes up to me and goes, what? He goes, you know, what, 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 what's happening here? And he looks around and he just sort of puts his hands out to all these animals. And I say, uh, is there something wrong? He said, I don't know, I don't know. Is there something wrong? And then in a moment I realized, I said, so do you think there's something wrong that the animals are out that they escaped? He said, yes. <laughs> do you think I should put them back in? He goes, no. <laughs> and I said, well, here they're in their safe places at night. But in the day, they come out and they, they stay with us and visit because that's good. That's really, really good. And then he spent the next half hour uh, walking around and trying to figure out how close he could get to the duck, um, trying to pet the duck, and then figuring out why the goats only had teeth on the bottom and why, you know, they kept rubbing on him. And it was just a very uh, lovely encounter. 
but it reminded me that we're so used to having um, our animals encounter encounters in cages, right? You go to the zoo or you go even to somebody's house, they'll often put their animals in a cage or have them in the cage for safety. And, and that needs to be true. But I thought about it afterwards and I thought, you know, in so many ways, uh, we are also in cages and that we have to really be conscious of where we are in our lives and how and where we want to then come out of our cages. And yes, we need to be in safe spaces at nighttime or, or certain times during our lives, but how can we relate and just allow ourselves to be free in nature? And I believe the time is 20 minutes that if you sit in nature, if you walk into the woods disturbing everything and then sit down, if you settle your body and settle for 20 minutes, that after that 20 minute time, nature starts to come back alive again and the birds will come closely and the squirrels will scoot around you and life, the livelihood comes back again. So 20 minutes, and that's where that forest bathing comes from, uh, being and working and living in, in nature in that way. Checking in, Terry, Liz. Do you feel complete? Um, yes, I do. If there's some, I mean, like I said, I can keep talking for a long time. I think we should, I think if you feel complete, I think Liz, we, we may want to allow some breakout room discussion yeah. and then yeah. come back later. Yeah. So Barbara, I, you know, we were talking in the call before everyone, how much Barbara's, even our prep call last night really just helped us to feel so connected and healed. And when we were thinking about the inquiry, we wanted to send you into the groups. There were a couple of things that came up, but it came back to that tree. It came back to the tree, right? And how the tree drew her. And one of the things I think of as an educator and something that I've been working on myself as an educator is in nature, nature educates both sides of our, both hemispheres of our brain. Right, you need to be aware, like you said, is there danger, is there this, when do I need to be awake, when do I need to be um, you know, left-brained and, and, and calculate things. But nature always has those ineffable right-brained things. I love that you said singing with the chickens, uh, you know, maybe dancing with the goats. And so I think may, what I've been coming to in my own work is that the healing that makes to, needs to take place is educating for both sides, right? Uh, um, and that will heal through connecting both sides and awakening and educating for both sides. And that nature, as Barbara talked about, is such a profound way to do that. And I think sometimes of the fact that I've always lived in cities and I love cities. And on one level, I understood that the nature I feel most connected to is people. But even in the middle of a city, I sit most weeks right in Bryant Park and there's greenery and how, how drawn people are to those literal tangible earth, air, water, fire. So as we enter the, the, the beautiful breakout rooms, what we'd like to offer as an inquiry is where do you find those spaces where you can connect, right? Maybe in nature and that healing spot of you, you know, it could be a plant in your home. It could be the park, like you said. And, and what do you feel? Like, I like that you went to the feeling. So a lot of times we ask you to think about something, but I think what we wanna to offer today is what do you feel when you connect with that space? 
And if you would like to share that with the people in your breakout room. Very wonderful. Okay, so we're gonna go to breakout rooms come back in minutes and just hear from people. But our agreements in the rooms to remind you, and for those of you who might be new, is to speak from the heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others have a chance to share, and to keep confidentiality. When we come back, please feel free to speak from your own experience and your own share or speak to the themes of the group. But if something was said in confidence, don't share that because it would be in the podcast and it would be broadly known. But do come back and share what came up for you as a whole. We'd love to hear from you when you come back. And if you don't feel inspired to speak, then give the gift of listening. So I'm going to put the recording on pause and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to see your faces. Who would like to share anything bubbling up right now after you had time together to talk? and unmute yourself and speak. I, I had not thought about, I'd read a couple of the books about water, but I had not thought about it as in my body and accessible to, you know, the prayer, whatever you want to call it there. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a different perspective. I put the poem that Liz read in the chat. Just wanted to let you know if you, if you wanted to see it. Who else would like to share? Uh, Janet told us a beautiful story. I don't know if you'd like to share it, Janet of what you, with the work that you did in the park, or you'd like me to, to speak about it? Yeah, I've said it. Um, <laughs> I just adopted a corner of Forest Park in Queens, and when I would go there, I started cleaning it up. So I would just bring garbage bags, and I started just taking out the garbage. So I was hauling out large amounts, and then it got better, and then I befriended the homeless people there, and they started cleaning up their own uh, beer bottles and beer cans and uh, and they at some point the park service closed off the road that was going through forest park so there was much less dumping from cars going by and um and i don't know I, i've met lots of uh, animals and creatures and people in the park <laughs> there are lots of robins now and just the other day for the first time I saw two chipmunks in addition to all the squirrels and and um, and when I would be on the path nobody would ever walk by but now there are children going by with their parents and people walking their dogs going into the park and I've met all kinds of people walking back from the park I was invited into Ramadan to break Ramadan fast during Ramadan and I hand out peace alliance postcards in the park so like all kinds of things have happened from this um adopting the park excuse me Jana did you say Jana did you Jana did you say Forest Park in Queens yeah Forest Park I live uh, not far from um Park Lane South and um uh, 
and 102nd. So I grew up in Richmond Hill and taught in Richmond Hill. Oh. Um, so close. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I didn't know how close you were. Oh, yeah. I love that. I'm going to go far. That's, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And that's such a perfect example of one person taking initiative to do one little step. And then it, it, the, the ball starts to roll and everybody, and look at what, whoa, amazing. What a beautiful example. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jana. Who else would like to share? something that bubbled up when you were in the breakout rooms together. Or that's coming up for you right now. And if you'd like to speak. Kathleen? Kathleen, I see your mouth moving, but you're still on mute. I just wanted to, um, to also say that your story, Jana, meant a great deal to me. In our group, um, Bonnie raised the notion of community, um, of communities, along with just nature. She included communities. And I I've been puzzling over being part of a a community and trying to figure out how to um, how to create communities that I'm that I want to be part of. And your story, Janice, suggested that that it, it goes back to the simple thing of living it. When you start taking out your own trash, other people might join you. Thank you, Kathleen. Yeah. Can I add something there, Terry? Yes, please. Yeah, and this idea of nature also being an example of how we can live together, that a really thriving, healthy ecosystem is full of diversity. And all that diversity helps support each other and the way that they communicate. And we know that the places where they're monocropping, where there's only one crop that they're, they, have problems with a lot of different things, uh, the bees, the soil over time, and, and it's not sustainable. And we just know that this diversity of organic gardening and permaculture and the way that our systems can live together um, is all we need to do is look out into nature and the, you know, hearing about the squirrels and the chipmunk, the chipmunk came back, you know? And that's because it was a welcoming, it became more of a welcoming environment and so we can then, you know, all enjoy that. So I think, again, walking our peace in the world can look so different, so important. Yeah, thank you. We have to one more share. Is anybody inspired to say something? Well, this whole discussion has reminded me of the importance of stillness. Mm. Uh, Barbara mentioned sitting 20 minutes. The, 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 the practice of allowing ourselves to be still, allowing ourselves to be in the midst 
of our environment, to be connected to it, um, is our agency. Now, a lot of people like myself think that I am the agent of change to do this, that, and the other thing, and I'm doing, 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 doing. But like before the session got started, I've been reminded recently, rather forcibly, that being, being still <laughs> is healing. Just like the poem that Liz shared, being still. Um, it, it's like not what we're taught, not what we're taught. This culture is do it. Thank you, David. Yeah, I think I think what Barbara said yesterday when we were, we were preparing for the call, something that st stuck with me. You know, we go to yoga class or we go to meditation and we have this, you know, very centering, wonderful time. And then we leave and we get in the car, we drive down the street and we totally break it, you know, and it, we don't stay in that space very long. We don't allow it to happen. So it's, it's what you were saying, David, to be still and to allow that stillness to really seep into our souls. So I think we're going to close the call. I'm putting some links in the chat. Um, this Hope Story Circle is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, and the website is peacealliance.org. And we have our Peace on podcasts that you can find on the website. And also something about the Hope Story Circles. If you're interested, you can share it with your personal network and invite them to join you next time. We also have an initiative called the Blueprint for Peace. If you click on that link, then messages will be sent to all of your elected officials to let them know that you support policy about violence reduction and peace building. Um, and also about our key legislation, the Department of Peace Building Act, HR 1111, which is um, always in our, in our vision. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size. We especially this year are having a, a drive to gather 22 new monthly donors. So, and I think we have four new ones. So we have work to do there. So if you're interested in becoming a monthly donor and giving a sustainable income, that would be greatly appreciated. Also our calendar of events and for the next Hope Story Circles and also our national calls and the Department of Peacebuilding calls, all of these ways to connect with people around these issues and these things that we want to gather together to join together. So with that, I'll hand it, unless Barbara, you have anything closing you want to say before Liz brings us to a close? Um, I want to thank you all very much. And I also want to remind us, even if we can't get out physically into the woods of the forest, we have amazing imaginations and we can do this through meditation and visualization. It's always available to us. And then having a little blade of grass growing in your glass on the windowsill is helpful. So thank you so much. And you know, may the forest be with you. <laughs> Barbara. Liz? Oh, yes. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I am going to... Um, I'm going to share a story I hadn't thought about in a few months. And it was because John talked about cleaning the corner of, of, the, far, of, the, of the park. There's a park in New York, you've probably seen pictures, it's called Washington Square Park. And it's in, it's in Greenwich Village. And it's one of my favorite places to be. My 
my dear uncle lived in Greenwich Village. My mother was a nurse in Greenwich Village. And lately I've been drawn to healing. And, and I knew that the healing took place in Greenwich Village. And I would go down to this particular place and write and heal. And I would love to sit in that park. It's so full of life. And I always go through the archway, right? There's an Arc de Triomphe there. <laughs> right in the same, uh, in the same vein as the one in, in Paris. But back in December, it was one of the last beautiful warm days in New York. And I spent it in the village. And I, had, I was meeting someone and I ran out of time. And I always walk a very specific way out of the park and it's through the archway. And I didn't have time to do that. So I cut across the park to the Northwest corner. And I don't ever remember cutting across that part of the park. And when I got there, there was really this congregation of, I wanna call lost souls. There were clearly people, like there were drugs out in the open. It felt so dark. And it was the first time I ever felt scared in the park. And I rushed through it. And I just really felt this darkness. And when I got home that night, I. I Googled the park. I wanted to know what that was. And I found this out and I'm just looking again, that in that corner of the park is a tree that's 300 something years old and they call it the hangman's elm. And I don't know if anyone who walks through that park knows that, but I felt it. And after your story, John, what I know is that maybe now that I've done my own healing, maybe I need to spend some time in that corner of the park just radiating out with the tree and connecting whatever healing it is. That's what I'm going to go out and do. Um, and, and even in the, you know, even in the city, maybe as we go off in the next two weeks, just find one little corner of one little space that you can connect and healing well. And it's a mutuality, right? That the tree, that the tree or the green can offer you healing, but you can offer healing back. Mm. And, and so, yeah, maybe if we can just connect to find one place, but I'm going to commit in the next two weeks to spend some time down in that corner of the park um, and, and see what it think, comes up. Thank you so much, Donna. And if anyone has any kind of final words or final messages, I, I'm so grateful for this call and um, for, for all the presence of each of you. Yeah, Thank you, Liz. And I put the name of this book in the chat. It is uh, Forest Bathing Retreat. It's just beautifully done. And the intro is offered by, um, I put her name in there, um, Robin Wall Kimmerer, who is the author of Braiding Sweetgrass. And it's full of gorgeous pictures, prayers, poems, and scientific information about how Thank you, Liz. Yes, it's a collaborative effort. We heal when we're working with the trees and the trees heal when we're mutual, mutual love, about love. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, I, I want to mention something too, if you'll allow me, Liz. Of you course. Brought, you, you brought to my mind, uh, um, uh, there's uh, a nonprofit in Japan that uh, for the past few decades have worked on gathering seeds from trees in Hiroshima and Nagasaki that survived. And then they're now taking those seeds and trying to plant them around the world uh, with the idea of, you know, the thinking of peace and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
that's what I thought when you mentioned to me about that plant is it would be interesting to have one of those plants that mm -hmm. survived Hiroshima next to it. Beautiful. That's lovely, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Yes, thank you. Feel free to come off mute and say goodbye. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Barbara. Well, thank, thank you, Barbara. Thank you, so much. thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Well, thank you, Barbara. That was beautiful. It was. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.